Hey y'all, this is your host, Elise Robinson with the Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast season two. I hope the stories inspire you to switch careers. I have done all kinds of interesting things in my life and I'm a firm believer if you only live once. Sit back and enjoy. We are Switch Into Tech, tech resources to accelerate your career in information technology. Monthly classes on tech topics. We offer free or discounted exam vouchers, scholarships, free Udemy courses, free events, free boot camps, and more. You can find us at www.switchintotech.org. Hey, y'all. My name is Elise Robinson with the Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast. Today, I got you with Annie Margarita Yang. Let me just jump right into it. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Annie. Hey, Elise. Um, Thanks for having me on today. So a little bit about myself. I didn't go straight to college, so I went straight into the work world after high school and just worked a whole string of minimum wage jobs. And then after a few years of doing that, um, I met this self-made millionaire who asked me, what are you doing here? You're so smart, but we are working at a minimum wage job. And she told me to go to community college. So I followed her advice. And then after that, I got a bachelor's, an online bachelor's degree in communications. But then coming out, I was working at Domino's Pizza. So back into the old minimum wage stuff. And I was just like, it's not what people were promising me. Like they were telling me, oh, if you just get your degree, everything will work out and you'll make more money. And just it wasn't the case when I lived in Lubbock, Texas, where there was very few opportunities. So when I moved from Lubbock, Texas to Boston, I said, you know, I have a new life here. Nobody knows who I am. I'm going to make my life what I want it to be. And um, because I lived on minimum wage for so long, I could really budget my money well. And I saved 25% of our household income on minimum wage. So I said, if I can do this for myself, why don't I work in accounting for a small business owner who needs help with their cash flow? who needs to make sure they're not getting ripped off by their vendors and things like that. And so I managed to get an accounting job in seven days. And then two months later, it turns out that that guy was a bit toxic. So I got another accounting job in six days in my next search. And then a year after that, I decided, you know what, I want to buy a house, but um, we could save for the down payment, no problem. If I just follow the budget, we can save for that. But then I realized to qualify for a mortgage, you need a certain income. And I was just like, wow, I need to make 70,000 to qualify for a mortgage on a $300,000 property. So I was making 45,000 at that time. And I I needed to get a new job because how can I go to my employer to ask for 25,000 more, right? So um, I got a new job. And in that process, I got that job in only five days. But in those five days as well, I also had recruiters calling me to tell me I'm totally unqualified to work in accounting. <laughs> so, so yeah, basically that's my story. I landed an accounting job with no accounting degree in only five days. You're muted. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, okay. I was uh-huh. trying to talk. <laughs> My bad. I said you were trying to talk. I'm like, I don't hear her anymore. Um, yeah, no. As an accountant, um, I don't want to say you're unqualified. I mean, I've seen definitely accounting jobs out there where they only request like financial managerial, but um, they're not P 
pure accounting jobs. <laughs> so there's also that. But accounting's funny is that you can literally have a communications degree and yeah, you could go be an accountant. Um uh, You're the first one to tell me that because all the recruiters in accounting were just like, we need that qualification. Well, you, like, you're not going to go work for the big four. No, no. <laughs> you know, for a small business or something, they're not really going to care, you know. Um, but, but yeah, no, th there's, and like sometimes the government, sometimes, but they're, like I said, they're not pure accounting roles. Um, like, for example, there's, there might be one in, in a state and uh, for working for working for the state and they want you to have two credits in accounting but it's like a budget analyst or something like that you know so th that's what i mean but no you're not going to go work for kpmg without an accounting degree no um and it's funny that you you talk about boston because i i did three years in boston and uh I don't know what year that was, but uh, when you moved there, but I moved there in 2010. Um, and yeah, the economy was booming. I mean, I had a job because I worked for the government. That was my first uh, government job and I moved there for it. And then I had a boo. <laughs> At a boo, and you know, he was looking for a job and he found one within two weeks. And so, um, so yeah, I don't know if that's still possible anymore. And I mean, I don't even want to know what a house costs in Boston in, right now. So, <laughs> um, next question is, what did you want to be when you, when you grew up? When I wanted to grow up, um, for several years, I wanted to be an actress, actually. Like, there was this um, very famous Chinese actress in China, and I grew up watching those TV shows, and I wanted to be just like her. But then my parents really beat that dream out of me. They're just like, no, you cannot be an actress if you want to be an actress to become successful you're gonna have sex with everybody you have to have sex with the director the producer you know the the cast it, it, it's just like you know everyone's in bed together basically and so um yeah all the way up until 12 years old my mom was telling me stuff like that i was like what is sex i don't i don't even know what that is <laughs> um, so uh for a very long time i didn't know what i wanted to do because they told me not to do acting but what I do today, I mean, I'm still kind of in the spotlight, right? Like right now I'm, I'm in front of you with the podcasting and then I'm also on YouTube. I have YouTube videos. So um, I'm still out there basically in front of the camera. So it's not acting, but it's more like just being myself. That is hilarious. <laughs> oh man, one of my favorite uh, movies is like Joy Luck Club. And there's another movie that I, I watched um, that was ridiculously good. Um, but yeah, I'm all into international films and things like that. Um, I don't know what they call it in, in China. Because um, I actually I actually spent time in China for a little bit too. But because um, I know like they have Bollywood and Nollywood and stuff like that. And I can get all into those movies all the time. But, um, <clears throat> but outside of that... Um, <laughs> I was like my mother. I at a certain at a certain point, I wanted to be a dentist, and she was like, "Yeah, you're not gonna be a, a woman dentist." And I'm like, "What?" But that's you more know? prestigious than acting. And yeah, I was like, "You know, a woman dentist? I mean, they have them. I mean, it's probably ridiculously hard, you know." But you know, that's what I want to do. But then I realized my 
my uh, eye hand coordination is all not that great. So I probably should be playing around in people's mouths. <laughs> but um, but yeah, um, you kind of talked about where your career began and what your first career was. Um, what was the, and you did talk about the catalyst of what made you change your career. Um, why Boston? Let me ask you that. Why Boston of all places? Because I mean, Lubbock to, to Boston, that's, that's a huge change. Well, I'm actually originally from New York City, so okay. I had gone from New York City to Lubbock, Texas, to Boston. Um, but even when I was in New York City, I remember when I was a kid, we went on a school trip, a three-day school trip to Boston. And every year in middle school, we went to a different city. So I, I remember specifically when I went to Faneuil Hall and Quincy Market and all that stuff, I was like, wow, Boston is so cool. I want to live here. Um, but I never actually knew that would come true. That was just like a seventh grade like wish. And then I still also like visited Boston twice after that to visit friends. And I was just like, I love it so much. I want to live here. And then when my husband and I, we moved to Texas because he was doing his master's degree. Then after the master's, he has to do a PhD. And he was like, okay, I'm going to apply to like 10 different programs or something like that. And so, you know, you can imagine, um, application fees are 100 each, right? 10 of them, I'd have to save a 1,000 just for him to apply to PhD programs. So I was like pressuring him. I said, can you not apply to 10? I mean, what if you only apply to like less than 10 so we save money on the application fee, but you know, really the programs you really wanna do. And then he reached out to um, a professor at BU before he even applied and he spoke to the professor and the professor's like, you're in, just, just apply right and and i'm gonna push your application through and make sure you get in so he just only applied to boston university so here i am i'm in boston <laughs> it just will happen that the one program he wanted to apply to was also the same city i always wanted to live in but he didn't know that he never knew that yeah that's that's hilarious um because yeah um I, i'm in ohio now and it's funny that you say that because me and my sister have been discussing for like maybe two or three years, even when I was living in Mexico, like these little ads would pop up about, you know, moving to Ohio and stuff like that. My, and my grandparents are from Ohio, but, you know, I told her I'm going to move to Ohio. And she was like, you ain't going to no damn Ohio. What the hell is in Ohio, <laughs> you know? And when I was searching for a house, it, it just kind of worked out that way. Because since I work remote, I can live in multiple cities. So I had a couple of cities on my list. And Ohio just worked out that way. I don't know what the hell's in store for me in Ohio, but so what city in Ohio are you? In? I am in Cleveland. I'm in Cleveland. Um, so I guess I'll figure out what's here. But I mean, I guess at a certain point, I could probably just rent it out and and move somewhere else too. But but yeah, no. I, I me and my sister, she'd be like, "You ain't going to no damn Ohio," and like, "Here I am," and it like I guess manifested over like two or three years, but. Um, but outside of that, Boston, I got, I got fond memories of Boston. I, I have fun in Boston. Um, but uh, I lived in Chelsea, Malden, and Lowell. Yeah, I'm in Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chelsea, yeah, because I used, I used to cross the bridge to go to work, and it would be so beautiful. <laughs> um, let's see. All these things come at a cost. I mean, you kind of talked about, you know, moving from Lubbock to Boston and 
and all that stuff, all things come at a cost. And did you have support from your family? Do they think you were crazy moving to Boston and, you know, trying to be an accountant with a communications degree? <laughs> no, actually, like, hmm. I think the way my parents kept responding to everything I did, not just moving and then not going straight to college, right? They were kind of just, they had given up on me because I was like really rebellious in my uh, teenage years. Like in my teenage years, I dated a brown boy and that's like a big no-no. Interracial is a big no-no in my parents' eyes. So um, they convinced me for like a whole year when I was 14 to break up with this guy. And I was just like, no. I love this guy, right? And so uh, it, it really caused a rift in our relationship and um, the whole breakdown in communication, basically. And so their attitude was basically all throughout my high school years is, well, after she turns 18, we're not responsible for her. And whatever decisions she makes after she's 18, she'll have to suffer the consequences of her own um, decisions. And so even when they heard from my guidance counselor that I wasn't going to go to college, they were just like, okay. <laughs> so, so like the whole reaction I got from my parents all throughout after I was 18 was basically a lack of reaction, I, I have to say. Um, maybe a few put downs as well. Like for example, when I first started my YouTube channel and my, my first video that I posted when I started the channel um it actually went viral like it blew up and it, it got a million views it's like those one hit wonders it's not like i posted a hundred and then one went viral it was like the first one just went viral and then so i immediately got in the youtube partner program and i started getting ad revenue from all my videos after that and i was getting about 200 a month which to me was like n nice you know ad revenue like that's money that i don't have to keep producing it like it just comes into my bank account it's more like passive um and considering that when i was when i first started doing that i had been working minimum wage jobs so that's like maybe three whole days of working minimum wage that i you know i didn't have to do anymore that was nice i liked it a lot and when, when my mom asked me how much i was making from just the youtube ad revenue i said oh like 200 to 250 a month she goes like oh that's play money that's that's child's play i was like what and i was actually very offended <laughs> very very offended by what she said i was like how dare she tell me that um but now actually today i make eighty thousand on the side on top of my full-time job so i you know it went from 250 to a month to to being an 80k just on the side alone so this is nice <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a story, and yeah, I could I could just hear my mother. <laughs> um, my parents probably kind of quit caring around sixteen because I was, I'm I'm smart. Obviously, I didn't live in other countries and learn languages and you know all that stuff. I'm not stupid. It's just I'm I'm lazy and shit is boring sometimes. You know, I don't want to sit up in class with these other dumb people in class, and we just going going super slow. So one thing I learned about myself when I when I lived in Guatemala and learning learning Spanish because I had a private teacher is that I need to go at my own pace. And so my parents kind of gave up on me at 16 and they were like, eh, well, I mean, you're getting B's and C's and some A's here and there. But, you know, once you hit 18, you better figure it out. You're either going to be an entrepreneur, you have to work 
or um, you go to college. And I did all three while at the house. Like I had a web development business. Um, I went to college part-time, I think. <laughs> and then um, I had a full-time job too um, at a certain point. But uh, they're like, yeah, otherwise you're going to be out at working at, at McDonald's, which I mean, honestly, ain't nothing really wrong with it at 18. But but um, but yeah, I could definitely hear my mother like, yeah, I mean, hey, you you keep out here, you know, effing up. That's where you're going to be at. <laughs> so, but you, you ended up just fine. <laughs> look, I mean, it's... how many people can say I bought a rental property, hey, a multifamily yeah. apartment? How many people can say that? <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's, it's been a journey and I, I don't have any regrets at all, you know, um, a lot of a twists and turns, but I mean, that's what makes life fun and interesting. And I mean, hey, I can, I could tell you some, some stuff about life, that's for sure. And I ain't even made it to 40 yet. So, so yeah, I mean, it feels, it feels really good and, you know, throwing it back at you, how many people can say that I make 80K just, I mean, posting a video. <laughs> You know? <laughs> well, no, no, it's all my streams of income. I have multiple streams. It, oh, it okay. With, it started with just that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, we need to dive deeper into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me ask you this: What was your first video about? It was about how to save money on low income. So oh. it was basically like literally all those years when I was living on minimum wage. I was like, "Do you want to save five thousand dollars?" while you're earning minimum wage, you know? And, uh, you know, do you want to learn how to save 5000 while living in New York City, making only $10 an hour? I'll tell you how. And basically, I just went over everything I did when I was living like that, you know, back then. I'm, and it just I'm going to go up. watch the video now, too, because I might need some tips and tricks. But, I mean, I guess more so of delayed gratification because a lot of people don't have delayed gratification and that's a huge part of the problem <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there there is that because I, I tell i get on my sister's ass all the time i'm like you don't need that she's like shut up <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course she gets on my ass so but um let me see um I guess what made you want to start a YouTube channel and then, you know, what was the process in your mind of, hey, this is the po first video that I'm going to post? I had actually wanted to start it for four years because I had a public speaking background. I went to Toastmasters, right? So I learned how to do public speaking through Toastmasters and I knew I loved to talk about money. Like that's like if, if anyone had a conversation with me, I could talk about money all day long. Um, but I never had the courage to actually start the YouTube channel because I was telling myself, oh, I'm not pretty enough. I don't have the right equipment. I, I don't know how to do editing. Like I had all these different reasons and excuses to not start for four years until finally, like one day my husband stumbled upon this hot YouTuber. She was like this beauty guru on YouTube. And she made a video about her student loan debt. She owed $100,000 in student loan debt. And she was talking about how she's so stupid with money. She doesn't understand her student loan debt. She doesn't understand anything. And how she had to go to a financial advisor and he recommended that she consolidate her student loan debt. She's like, so I guess that's the way to pay off my student loan debt. And then I was like, you dumb dumb. That's not how you pay off your student loan debt. You, <laughs> it's, it's not about consolidating the debt. 
that will pay off your debt, right? It's about living below your means. Like whatever you make, live on as little as possible and then throw as much money as you can at those loans to pay it off. Like there's just no other way. You consolidate, but if you don't make payments after you consolidate, it won't pay itself off, right? And so, um, but you read the comments and they were just talking about how hot she is. Wow, you're so hot. And now you're also giving us financial advice as well. I look up to you so much. You're my role model. And I was pissed, right? And then um, she kept making videos about this because it was gaining traction. And then, so I watched her later, later videos as well. And then I found out she was making between 10 to $12,000 a month that was her income. And I was like, girl, she makes 10 to 12,000 a month and she doesn't know how to pay off her student loan debt. Like I can live on 1,500 a month. And if I were her, I would live on 1,500 a month and I would just throw 8,000 a month toward those student loan debt. And, and I would just be debt free in maybe a year or a year and a half, right? And I, so because I was so angry, with her content, I decided to just, you know, put my iPhone up, sit in my bedroom, and I said, do you want to know how to save money on low income? This is how it's done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like I told you uh, before the video, like, you know, the catalyst for me was going through all these, these crazy interviews and stuff, and, you know, you know, the, the media gaslighting you saying nobody wants to work, so I'm like, I don't call it nobody wants to work, though, you know? <laughs> Um, and then that spiraled into like the career switching stories and stuff. And I've, I've definitely had some interesting guests on here. Um, so I, I love it. Um, let's see, I guess, uh, what are some of the positives and negatives of your new career? Uh, I think some of the positives is that I get opportunity without even proactively seeking it. And then when I do want something, because people can look me up online and they can see I have a following, um, they can see, well, I had a website until I got suspended yesterday. Um, I got suspended for suspicious activity. Um, I've been getting censored a lot. Uh, this is my fourth time actually getting censored for some reason. Um, so like I, I get opportunity. I know when everything falls apart, when we're going to have this big economic collapse and we're going to have more bank runs and I'm, you know, my boss might even go bankrupt. You know, I might lose some streams of income because some clients might suddenly find themselves with no money. Right. But I know I will still be fine because my ability to look for new work and land a new job or a new client, it will be there. So it's not, I, I believe like the way money is made is like, it's not about like how secure your job is. It's about your ability to get new forms of income quickly when you lose your current form of income. Like some people can take six months. I could take just a week and I'll be okay, right? Uh, so there is that positive, but the negative I think is, you know, I work really hard and I wrote the book, The Five-Day Job Search, for people who want to learn how to also land a job very quickly. And some scathing reviews came back about how, oh, the reason she has everything she wants in her life is because she's just so lucky. 
you know, God has just blessed her and given her so much opportunity. She's just so lucky and so narcissistic as well because she can't stop talking about all the great things she's done. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, we have some very uh, insecure and jealous haters in this world. So I guess that's the negative. Gosh, <laughs> I got so much to say on that. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of my friends used to tell me like, uh, you know, don't hold back on your accomplishments. And, you know, being a woman, being a black woman, it's like, you know, a lot of times people don't want to hear the things that I've done. Um, and yeah, the, the jealousy comes out, you know, I, I can't sit up here and tell people, oh, yeah, I lived in six years in Mexico and I know Spanish and you know, I became a Mexican or, you know, I like to call it a Mexican, but, but yeah, you know, the, the, the calls come out. Um, I, I, I want to say though, before you move <laughs> on to the next question, I love what you do. I, <laughs> I think what you're doing is great because we have so much of these like Black Lives Matter stuff going on and the victimization mindset where like, oh, well, my grandmother was a slave, therefore I don't have opportunity, like that kind of thing. Or like, oh, because my grandmother was a slave, but I have freedom, right? But still, because we haven't been able to move up in terms of wealth and social, you know, and everything, like we need reparations. And I'm just like, where are the people in the Black community who are standing up as role models for like, what other people can be and you are it and that's You're it that's another reason why I, I you know I'm an introvert then <laughs> people think I'm an extrovert and I'm like you know I don't like to be in a spotlight sometimes and other times I don't really care but um and sometimes I don't like talking about myself because I'm a whole introvert and it ain't none of your business <laughs> so there's also that but um but yeah that's another reason you know I don't like I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't mind hiding, you know, because um, yeah, people need to know this and um, ain't nobody ever gave me nothing. Like, you know, when I decided to move to Mexico, you know, I saved my money from work and then, and then left, you know, and booked a ticket. Um, nobody helped me get there. So, you know, when you said, people handing you stuff, ain't nobody ever handed me nothing. I had to go out and get it. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I fully understand that all the way and I'm not bragging. It's just, it's just my life story and that's what I did. So, and I'm an open book. I don't yeah. mind talking about, you know, how I got there. If anybody want to sit down with me and say, Hey, how did you get to Mexico and do all this stuff? I, I'll sit down with you and write a plan, free, free, free all day long. But you got to put in the work. And one thing I find is that people don't want to put in the work. And that's a huge part of the problem. So so there is also that. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, whole, the whole jealousy thing, that's, that's another reason why I don't want to come out in the spotlight because people get jealous and they'll, they'll try to take it from you. <laughs> So there's that. Um, let me see. Next question. What are some traits that you believe people need in what you got going on? Oh, my gosh. I think the biggest trait is persistence. That That is really it. I think it's the failure of people to show up. That's why this is a nobody wants to work, though, podcast. This, people, like, literally... They don't show up 
for the things that they want in their life. Like the only difference between me and someone else is like, hey, I want this. I want to be on shows. I will show up. That's it. I will show up for the interview. <laughs> Some people, they don't even show up for an interview. It, it's just crazy, you know? Um, so when I tell people on my YouTube channel, you want to land a job offer in five days? Let me tell you how it's done. You apply to 50 jobs a day, not three jobs a day, 50 jobs a day. Because if you apply to three a day, then you'll have applied to maybe 300 over six months. That's why it takes you six months to get a job. But if you apply to 50 a day, you'll have applied to 300 in a week. So you do like the same amount of work that someone else is going to do over six months, but you're just shortening that to, to a week. And then you're going to get a, a job offer after just a week. And some people are like, you're crazy. That's too much. But I had, I had this immigrant. So uh, immigrant from El Salvador moved here to the United States. He lives in California um, seven years ago. And apparently he, he is a subscriber, but he never left comments, right? Um, on January 12th, he left his job and then he started freaking out. He was just like, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay the bills? He applied to three jobs. And then he said, well, the job posting says for hire immediately. I, I can work immediately. Why aren't they calling me back? And he got upset <laughs> and he felt like a loser. And um, he was just like, why aren't they calling me back? And um, then he goes on YouTube to look for videos on job search. Couldn't find anything helpful or relevant. Um, of course, my videos weren't showing up because I'm getting censored. And then um, he, because of that, he goes to fast food restaurants nearby in his desperation to try to work in fast food. Um, he comes back with nothing and also feels totally terrible and desperate. And then he goes to his subscriptions tab on YouTube and he saw that I've actually been posting, but he didn't realize. And so he started watching one of those videos and he realized, oh my gosh, she's been posting every day about job search. So he went back and watched everything. And then he said, and then I saw that video about applying to 50 jobs a day. He said, I'm going to follow her advice. I'm going to apply to 500 jobs. He applied to like 500 jobs. He said to me, anything and everything, I hit the easy apply button. I spent like all day for five days applying to jobs and I got a job in two weeks. He got a job offer in two weeks and he said it was, it was thanks to you, right? Uh, so people like him, he, it turns out also because immigrant, right? Uh, spoke very poor English when he was texting me. It actually it was a little difficult for me to understand his English. Um, and his highest education was a GED. So uh, that's somebody who has not the right qualifications, the right education, doesn't speak English as a native language here in our country, but because of his persistence, he is successful in what he wants. Um, so I think that is really what makes a difference in someone's career, your persistence and not giving up. Because I, I remember um, trying to help a mentor of mine get a bookkeeper, so I can do bookkeeping, but she didn't want me to do it. She wanted someone local in Florida to help her because she's like in her late seventies. So she struggles with technology. So she needs someone in person. And um, she asked me to find someone. So I called all 50 bookkeeping companies in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, well, I emailed all of them, all 50 of them. And then only five out of 50 emailed me back. So basically 45 didn't even have the courtesy to say, we don't want this client. And then out of the five, 
um, two of them had had the courtesy to say, we're, we're full, you know, we, we can't take on any more clients. We're busy. It's also tax season. So only three left, only three, three got on a phone call with me to talk for the consultation. So, um, that's a, a lack of people's ability to show up. It's not just their uh, inability to show up for construction jobs, like the, the, the jobs nobody wants. This is literally accounting. So it, it's in all fields. It's not just those low level jobs, the inability to show up. That's, I, I believe it. I believe it. I, Cause yeah, I've, I, I got stories, but um, <laughs> circling back to the, to the immigrant stuff, you know, I, I'm an immigrant, I'm an immigrant to Mexico, but, you know, I remember days where I had, I did have to talk to 50 people. I had to talk to 50 people to, you know, get the, to connect the dots, you know, cause one person would tell me one thing, another person would tell me another, and then I would have to gather the information and then, you know, put it together and, oh, here's the answer, you know, and then, um, you can say you're fluent all day long, right? But, you know, there's just certain types of language that you're never going to get. You know, I'm not a, I didn't know business or medicine in Spanish. You know, I, I can have a whole conversation with you, but, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know. Technical. Yeah, technical language. You know, I didn't study that. <laughs> I didn't practice that. Um, and where would I get the practice for that, right? Um, so, you know, doing lots of research and talking to 50 different people, that's how I would get the information. And that takes time. And people, like you said, don't want to take the time. And it's, it's, it's sad and it's, and it's crazy. Um, so when people like me and you come about, you know, it's like, that's when the, the craziness starts and they're like, why you? And it's like, cause I put in, I put in the work, I put in the dedication, the perseverance, like you said, um, you know, and one of my favorite phrases is closed mouths don't get fed. You got to open your damn mouth. <laughs> you know? And, you know, you might get a lot of no's, you might get a couple of yeses, but that that's the process and you can't let it beat you down. And, and that's the other thing I, I find, um, when I was on my on my job search um, and tech, and I eventually gave up and went back to accounting, you know, my one of my friends was like, "I don't know how you keep doing it, you know. You keep they keep telling you no, and you know, I'm telling her these crazy, you know, recruiters and you know, giving me hell." <laughs> and um, she's like, "I don't know how you do it." I was like, "I gotta do it. I gotta eat. I mean, what else is there to do, you know?" So. Um, yeah, people just, I, I don't know. And I, I think a big part of it too is is education. People don't know what the process is. Um, but I mean, we're in the time of all this, all this information. Um, and I get I get on my nephew's ass all the time. I'm like, you know, don't you can come ask me, but I mean, you know, you got a computer right there. Look it up. <laughs> you know, I didn't have that when I was a kid. I didn't have that. So, you know, I'm, I grew up with the internet, but we didn't have all this information that we have now. We have YouTube and stuff like that. So, you know, we, we have instant information. So to me, there is no reason not to know a lot of things, but um, they sure know when that new um, Beyonce song comes out. <laughs> um, 
Let's see. Um, what tips and tricks would you give someone that wanted to, to be in this career? Um, I would say you have to be really attentive to detail. Like your ability to pay attention to small little details in the numbers really matters because it's so easy to like just put the decimal in the wrong place and things like that. Um, but also <laughs> funny things. I because I, I don't like getting ripped off, so I do this for everyone I work for. Um, my, my tips are to just double check everything, make sure bills are not paid twice, especially like don't pay the same bill twice. I see this happening so often. I don't know how people mess this up. <laughs> um, so set up a system, right? Where you can automate everything in the accounting department, but then also set it up such that like, for example, when you pay bills, it has to be based on reference numbers instead, because I see other people when they enter bills, I've looked at other people's work, right? I see they enter bills in the system as like, instead of the reference number, they'll type in like first payment, uh, first 50% deposit or like final payment. I'm just like, this is the reason why you can pay the same thing twice because you don't even know if you're paying the same bill twice or not, whether you've already entered it before. Um, so I started making everyone, if they do my job for me, they have to enter reference numbers because there's no mistaking of, you know, you typed in uh, invoice number 1010. If you've entered it in the past, well, clearly you've entered it again by accident, right? So you don't pay the same one twice. But I see this mistake happen so many times over and over again. Like for example, the HOA for the condo building that I live in, we just fired the property management company, but I was like auditing all of their books to find out where they were embezzling money from, uh, where they overpaid things and everything like that. And I saw that they paid like the intercom bill twice, $720, they paid it twice. They paid the snow removal bill twice. So they paid like an extra $1,800 there. You know, I, I was finding things like that, right? So um, be careful, you know, when you're doing this job, don't pay the same bill twice. <laughs> That's my advice. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, Cause yeah, I'm an accountant too. And I, you know, I, I have to, um... Uh, you know, input the transactions and things like that. Um, and yeah, sometimes uh, it, it gets double booked. <laughs> um, and of course I work for the government. So the, the system is older than me. Um, so it becomes, it becomes a whole mess. Um, they're trying to modernize it, but yeah, um, it, there's, there's not a lot of checks and balances when it comes to, you know, inputting stuff. Um, which is where I guess I kind of come in because I have a tech background. So I'm trying to automate a lot of stuff, but, um, but yeah, um, that's why I never want to be an accountant. <laughs> like audit was cool. Audit was fun, but accounting, I'm like, eh. well, and audit, gotta... you just point out where things went wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're you not the one lot more attention to detail. I know that. Yeah, well, you know, like, it, it's different to point out a problem than it is to be the one to solve the problem. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, uh, but it's it's cool. I, I guess I, I gave up audit because I didn't care to travel anymore. I, I, I like sitting at the house now. That, that's fun. <laughs> so, I, so I suck it up and, you know, I try to pay a, a lot more attention. Um Let's see. What do you wish you knew about this career before you got into it? I wish I knew I could have done it before I did it at the time that I did. 
like I didn't have to wait until I was so upset that um well what really happened was when I was leaving Texas and I had to train my replacement she lied to my ex-boss and said oh yeah I know how to use QuickBooks and then I I was making 13 an hour at that time and so my boss because that woman was more confident paid her 17 an hour and I was very upset when I had to train her and teach her things. And then I realized, wait a minute, she's never used QuickBooks at all, but she's saying that she used it before, but she didn't know how to use, how, how to do certain things in QuickBooks that were really, really basic. Um, so when I moved to Boston, that's, it's because of that woman that finally triggered me to go like, why am I not more confident? She goes after things she wants, even though she's not competent at it, but I am competent, but I'm not going after the things that I want. Um, so I just wish I knew earlier, that's the only thing I would have done different um, to have applied to the things I wanted to do, even when I didn't feel so confident. I just wish I had done that earlier. I would have saved so much heartache. <laughs> that's funny. Um... Yeah, I mean, at least she could have, like, watched a little YouTube video on it right quick or something, or, you know, because yeah. Intuit has all you types know, I, of free classes. I didn't want to offend, right, <laughs> because I'm the kind of person, maybe I'm, I could be really direct with people, but, like, I also don't want, I don't like offending people, you know, I like to be very kind and polite when I can, um, so what I did was when I trained her for three days, and I, when I, it was after the third day, I realized, so I said, I recommend you pay $10 for this Udemy QuickBooks online course, right? It's only $10. And then I even told her, I learned QuickBooks by going to the library to get QuickBooks for dummies and bookkeeping for dummies. So you can go to the same library I went to and borrow those two books and you will learn the software. And her response was, I don't need that. I know what I'm doing. So she wasn't, she wasn't open to learning. She wasn't open to it. She, she said, oh, I know what I'm doing. And then a year later, actually, um, she messaged me on Facebook and she was like, uh, I just wanted to talk to you about my boss. So my ex-boss, her boss, right? And she was like complaining about her being a micromanager. And did I have experience of my ex-boss being a micromanager? I was like, she never micromanaged me. I was like, she was actually my favorite boss out of all time. She was so nice and everything. She was very lenient with me and gave me a lot of autonomy. And she's like, well, she micromanages me and, and is so toxic, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm thinking, I think my boss finally caught on to the fact that she's not competent and didn't know how to do the job. So she started feeling like she had to micromanage to make sure the work was done right. <laughs> I think that's what ended up happening. I don't really know, but that's my best guess. Yeah, see, that's crazy. And that circles back around to what we were talking about earlier with the, the persevere perseverance and things like that. It's like, we gave you the opportunity. It's been a year. You still didn't, you know, try to learn anything like that. That That's crazy to me. And then she, and then she, you know, told you to F off when, you know, you try to give her some help and books and things like that. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's a perfect example right there. So. <laughs> I don't nobody know. wants to work though, right? <laughs> nobody wants to work though. Um let me see. Um and what would you tell someone that wants to to be an accountant? Um, you know, 
I guess you didn't, well, I guess you did kind of talk about your path. Did you ever buckle down and get like an accounting certificate at the community college or, you know, no. take the, the 24 credits? No, you never did? No, I, I <laughs> it's just whenever I had a problem, I just went to Google. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. went to Google. And you know what's even better is now we have ChatGPT. Wow, now you have a, like a really specific accounting question. You can just ask ChatGPT for the answer. <laughs> like really, it, I mean, it's just mind boggling. You can literally learn everything these days. I, I, I think college had its place mm -hmm. um, maybe 20 years ago, right? It had its place, I agree, but society has changed. And I just feel like the institutions have not caught up yet. I can agree with that. Um, yeah, because one of one of my little side gigs that I've done is curriculum development. And it wasn't for a college, you know? It was for, um, the freaking name of the company? I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. But anyways, it's a, it's a, it's a large code, code, code academy. That's what it was. Oh, wow. Code academy. Code academy. Um, yeah, curriculum development for that. And then um, I guess... Coming up, I have a contract with uh, with a, a college, and they want me to sit down and take an exam for for accounting um, for their curriculum development to see how that goes. But yeah, I mean, the people that are in, in the thick of it, they don't want. It's like you have to have a master's degree to do all this stuff, and I'm like, I shouldn't have a master's degree when I'm I'm working as an accountant or auditor. <laughs> And I have all the this, government. Yeah, I have all this crazy experience. What the hell do yeah. I need a master's degree for when I can help you, you know, with your curriculum, you know? <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's a major hindrance right there. Um, I'm actually- That's so funny. That's so funny. It's like, <laughs> what, what's so funny is like, if, if you um, are applying for, let's say you you're the one who wrote the curriculum, you, you wrote the curriculum and you're the one that came up with a whole thing, right? And then you're applying for a job and then they're they're asking for something like, oh, did you have a certificate in this curriculum? You're like, girl, I wrote that curriculum. <laughs> you know? It's just so funny. I saw this on Reddit where like there was this company that was hiring and the person doing the interview, like asking the interview questions, were asking straight from the support documentation for a different software. And it just so happened that the person who wrote the support documentation for that software was the one being interviewed. So <laughs> when they asked the questions, the person gave the answers word for word. And they were just like, you don't, you're not qualified because you clearly cheated. Like there's no way you know the answers word for word. And that guy goes, I literally am the one who wrote the documentation. <laughs> and they were telling them that he's not qualified for the job. Yeah, and I, I get that at a certain point, there should be like barriers to entry, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, well, this is what the qualifications are. But it, like I said, if I'm I'm working in it and I've been doing it for a number of years, there's no reason why I need a because I, I don't have my CPA. I don't know if I ever get it because I don't need it for my for my career. I can literally retire without ever having my CPA. Um, and, you know, I, I should need a master's and all the other kind of stuff in order to do it if I've been doing it for, you know, I'll just say five years or something like that. Because at that point, you should be journeyman level, right? Um, so 
I don't know. They're they're missing out on so much with this with these barriers to entry, and it's and it's crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I'll have to agree. Well, they're missing out. Yeah, I mean, you you it's time for you to start your own education company. Uh, look, I've, I've definitely thought <laughs> and, about and it. Call I the thought about it. The Elise Robinson. Uh, I, I definitely thought about it, um, especially last year. Last year when I was in the thick of it, because um, one thing that I do is I do a monthly seminar, um, and right now I do live resume reviews and live LinkedIn reviews, and I said those will always be free because uh, my resume and my LinkedIn gets a lot of hits, or it did before. I guess I did before I deleted my LinkedIn because <laughs> um, I, I had to start all over. Um, because I, I had to clean off all the the tech stuff. I didn't even want it on there anymore. But um, but yeah, no, I do I do do teaching, and I I thought about starting a, a whole school. And I mean, there's there's hella barriers and entries of that. Like I learned technically, you're not even supposed to be doing like seminars and stuff without a a, a freaking school license. It's it's really crazy out here. Like you're not really? getting paid money for that stuff. Without you, without you know, registering with the state, like it's crazy. But really, yes, yes. Because okay, there was this person that got in trouble because they started a boot camp, right? Hmm. And they were getting money for the boot camp. Um, and this circles back around to like showing up and actually handling your business because they didn't, they didn't kind of do that, right? And they got in trouble with the state for starting an unlicensed boot camp. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was a whole mess. Um, I think that was 2020. You need to license your boot camp? Yes, yes, yes. You, it's supposed to be licensed with, the, with whatever state that you're working out of. And technically, if you're getting, let's say, for example, your boot camp is in Texas, right? Um. A coding boot camp. Yeah, and your yeah. students, you have students that come from California. You're, you have to be licensed in Texas and in California. So it, it runs a lot deep. And I, and I, and I, you know, I read about this that. This doesn't sound right. This sounds like a, a conspiracy to make sure people stay poor. Uh, look. I'm sorry. And, this and, this, you know, this I talk sounds like a, a state-run mafia to make what? sure you can't just earn money doing the things you want to do and provide value it sounds like highly regulated and to make sure to keep certain people out and certain people in wow that, that's exactly <laughs> what it is and you know at my the last person i had on on the podcast is coming out this coming week you know i kind of mentioned that too because it's like you know um not to say that there's reg regulations in you know these other countries but you know, nobody really cares. You know, they have the little food carts and people hustling on the streets and stuff. And you can't necessarily do that in the States, you know, like you, you, you would get fined. Um, so yeah, like it was a big mess all over Twitter. Like, I don't know if it was last year or the year, year before last, so 2022, but yeah, they got her for having an unlicensed boot camp because you're supposed to register with their state. And if you have students that are not in that state, you have to register with each state. It's it's a it's a whole mess. And the fee ain't cheap. The fee well, this, this cheap. makes it such that only a, a big, large company with lots of investment capital behind um, their their hands is is the only one to succeed in that kind of market. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Because I believe for Texas, um, 
the licensing fee when I looked at it was a thousand dollars, which is cheap enough, but you know, it, but you can't grow quickly unless you have investors throwing 50,000 at you. I mean, exactly. if you're, just, you're just someone who's like, you know, I want to make some money. I, I don't want to do it with investment capital. I just want to start with my own money. Mm -hmm right mm -hmm. and, and grow it so that i have full control over my business not the bank and not some investor mm -hmm. you start with only a thousand and you grow it but then you have to grow it so slow because then okay now i can open up to the next day pay a thousand okay now then i can open up to the next day it's like so slow mm -hmm. it's really slow growth in yeah. and tech is such a, a fast-paced industry yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess it comes down to, you know, all these YouTube videos and stuff. If you're teaching something, I mean, can you potentially get in trouble for it, you know? But it's, it's, if it's, they get ad revenue, they can get affiliate revenue as well, right? It's, Just it's, it's not direct revenue. It's right? really, it's really crazy out here. But yes, it, it was a, it was a whole mess with this woman and they were like, yeah, she's she's operating an unlicensed school. Um, I believe somebody had turned her in because, like I said, she wasn't she wasn't doing what she was supposed to do um, with following up and things like that, going back to the accounting firms and things like that. But but yeah, I was you know, I got deep into it because I was like, so what are the rules and regulations on it? And it sounded like to an extent like you're not even supposed to be having seminars for money. You need a license to do it. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, anything else you, you want to, um, say and give? No, I think that was it. That Alrighty. was already a lot. <laughs> it was, it really was. I enjoyed the conversation. Um, let people know where, where we can find you. Um, the best way to find me is annieyangfinancial.com. That's A-N-N-I-E-Y-A-N-G financial.com. My site got suspended yesterday for suspicious activity, but um, I hope to get something figured out by tomorrow so that the site is up uh, by the time this podcast recording is released. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you again, Annie, for coming on the show. Y'all, my name is Elise Robinson with the Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast. And until next time.